Welcome back to Studio C Sports. This is episode two of our podcast adventure, I guess, if you want to call it that. I no, didn't think we'd it? make it this far. Yeah. I mean, we got we got a good amount of listeners. I was pretty hyped about that one. Clearly, we're pretty popular, Matt. Apparently. Clearly. So, I'm Matt Hale. I'm joined here by Alex Krein and Luke Chernowski. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm I'm grinding. Yeah. It's it's Madden grind season. It's Madden season, boys. It's Madden season, fellas. Yep. Madden 19 drop. Well, is it for the Hall of Fame edition you, version? It was, it was yeah, like the pre-order. Yeah. The, the pre- pre-order was seventh, and then if you didn't pre-order it, it's the tenth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So either way, we all pre-ordered it. We all went with the Hall of Fame edition. We've all been grinding away. How are the teams looking so far? It's that time of year, Matt. It's, we're yeah. stocking up. We're preparing for the. Uh, uh, Mud Squad's challenge for the year, and we're uh, we're ready to go. We're this going. Is, this is code for we're all losers. Oh yeah, no, we total I don't know. losers. How many in the in the however many days that the game has been out? How many hours Two. do you think we've put in? At least fifty percent of the hours. Are we counting? Are we counting the demo here? Because I got like twenty in. On the demo. <laughs> we'll count the demo too. Yeah, I got like twenty in on the demo. I probably oh. got another twenty in on the game so oh. far. So, I don't. I An think embarrassing amount. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope no one. Yeah, we'll, ju- we'll just leave one. it at that. Okay, so. Onto real football. Yes. Well, kind of real football. We're talking about the Hall of Fame game from last week. I wouldn't classify it as real football, but it's the first football action of the year. Yeah. Kind of exciting. Felt good to get back to football. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting. You got to see people be surprised that RG3 can run around and dot up third string secondaries. Yeah, it was but, crazy. It was we, got a, we got a lot of Tyler Bray, so... Yeah, yeah, he's but, a big dude. Uh, he's a big man, six foot six. But that's that is all the analysis I have on Tyler Bray today. Okay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so who else? Tyler Bray. Who else stuck out to you in the Hall of Fame game? Clearly, what every Bears fan is talking about is uh, Javon Wims had quite the game. Seven catches, eighty-nine yards. Pretty much all that coming in the second half, fourth quarter. Pretty sure, but man, I liked him when they drafted him. I was surprised that he fell that far. I saw draft reports on him going in like the third round or something like that. So I'm a little surprised, but man, it was really good to see him step up, especially after the uh, receiving core that Bears had last year. Yeah, you were, well, you were talking because we were talking about Madden in the car. How last year when you tried to use them in play, now it's like, oh, I have Josh Bellamy. It was boring. There was, yeah. it was. They're not fun. They were not fun to play with. Not right. they should be. It should so, be fun to watch too. Much improved. Exciting time for the yeah. Bears. And, okay, Lamar Jackson mm. did not reach his expectation so far after did one game. Did not set the world on fire. I yeah. Mean, he, had a, he had a couple of good runs where he, he flashed the quickness, the ability to get past defenders. It says here, eight carries, 25 yards. More carries than you'd want from a quarterback, definitely. But right, and a half only. And a half, yeah. But he showed you that he was a good athlete. And he also showed you that he was an inconsistent passer. So he's, he's about what I, he would be coming in. He was, a, honestly, I thought he was a straight-up poor passer in yeah. the game. You want to read his uh, stats there? For yeah. for Lamar Jackson, 4 of 10 passing, 33 yards, 3.3 average, 1 TD, 1 pick. It was it was pitiful, especially on those um, out-breaking yeah. routes. He threw it late behind the receiver. Didn't look yeah. like he trusted uh, what he was seeing out there. Did have the one nice drive where he had the majority of his passing and rushing yards, to be honest. But besides that, it was not impressive. So what I'm hearing is he's not going to dethrone an elite quarterback. 
I don't think he's going to dethrone RG3 at this point, honestly. Well, if, if they're carrying two quarterbacks, obviously they're going to carry right, Lamar right. Jackson over RG3 just because they, they just drafted him with right. their first-round yes. pick, and they've only invested like half a million dollars in RG3 or something like that. But So does RG3 kind of wait in the wings, or is he cut and goes to a team that has an injury during the preseason? The only scenario I see RG3 being of value to the Ravens is – they're still in contention. Joe Flacco gets hurt. Besides that, if they're out of contention, they're just going to play Lamar Jackson because they don't need to see what RG3 is. And then if you know if Joe Flacco gets hurt and they're out of contention, because I just don't see RG3 playing unless something goes wrong with Joe Flacco and they still are in the playoff race. I think the fans in Baltimore would still want to see Lamar Jackson, though, because they know what RG3 is. They've seen him in with the Browns, with the Redskins. I mean... Lamar Jackson, something new, he's something fresh. Yeah, but if you're the coach, you're not going to put in the unknown. Especially no, the if coach you're uh, that. John Harbaugh, who's had a couple iffy seasons the past two years, and you really kind of need to make the playoff. I just don't foresee him taking that kind of gamble. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Any other Bears that stuck out to you in the Hall of Fame game? Uh, some of the pass rushers showed a little bit of ability there. Um, Isaiah Irving, I know one of his sacks got called back because he was off sides, but he did have another sack. Um, and then Kylie Fitz also had a sack. So getting a little bit of pass rush from, from guys lower down on the depth chart, that was nice to see. I know you're pretty high on Bilal Nichols. I was really high on Bilal Nichols. I remember watching him in like the senior bowl and stuff before the draft started, and I was like, man, I wonder like what round he's going to go in. The Bears needed help at that other end position, particularly in the depth. I do like Jonathan Bullock, who also had a pretty solid game. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any like big you know, splash plays, but you don't really get those at that he had position. He a sack as well, yeah. But yeah, I was happy to see you know him do well. A lot of people aren't high on Bullard because he hasn't he has not put up those big numbers. But we talked about it last time. He is a great get off. He's mm-hmm. quick off the ball. He's a big body. He took a little bit more time to develop than I think people maybe thought. But I think he's a solid starter in the NFL. Yeah, right now he's the number one at the end, opposite Hicks. Yep. So, okay. So one last thing I have to touch on about the Hall of Fame game. When they did those interviews with the Hall of Fame inductees, oh my oh, Lord. that stupid zoom into like their eyes. And it wasn't like they zoomed in and then they cut out. They uh, zoomed in and then they just held it for like five seconds. Super creepy. It, it was, was a, so uncomfortable. It was the steady zoom into their face. Also, right. it was the uh, first time we saw the new helmet rules enacted. Oh, should, oh man. Uh, man, the mm. helmet rules. So, it, it was called uh, twice. Mm. Yeah. And then they also called like an unnecessary roughness, which... I don't think they did a very good job explaining what was going on, especially since they knew, like, this is a nationally televised game. A lot of football fans are going to watch it. All of them want to see how that rule is going to be called. I don't think they did a good enough job explaining what's going on. No yeah. one no one was happy with that new rule after that game. No. All the no. commentary was that bring football back. They're taking away the violence of football, especially, like, when you see someone go over the middle – I mean, I thought he hit him with the shoulder. I can't remember the who who it that was. That wasn't that rule. No, I know they called yeah, unnecessary yeah, roughness yeah. on that one. But see, that's the confusing part. Yeah, he he led with the shoulder, and it, to me, it just looked like he hit him hard, and mm-hmm. they were like fifteen yards for hitting him. Now, the only time I saw like DeAndre Hall hit someone hard, he was like completely oh. like perpendicular to his. Mm-hmm. He hit him with like his hip almost. It mm-hmm. looked like I feel like that's just what you're gonna have to do in today's NFL if you don't want to get called for it. Well, and what I've heard from various sources is that. You're probably going to see a lot of it in the preseason, and then once we get to the regular season, they're yeah, going to cut sure. it back. Yeah, for sure. Because 
for all intents and purposes, these games don't matter. I mean, they're they're a nice tune-up for these players and whatnot. See who's going to make the roster at right. the bottom. Right, but at the end of the day, none of these points matter mm-hmm. for anything. It's practice for the officials, too. Right, right. So that those are my thoughts on the Hall of Fame game. Beautiful. Moving on to the Bears and training camp. What are you guys hyped about? Well, there's a couple things that we've noticed um, that have kind of come out of training camp so far. The first and most prominent one, I would say, is the what seems like the utter dominance of second-round pick Anthony Miller, which I absolutely love to see. We talked about him last time. We did. We did. And I, I think he has not just the abilities and the look, but he has that like approach, you know, from like no those big-game players where they just have that certain extra spark to them. They he have just it. seems to have to, yeah, yeah. He's got some dog to him. Yeah, right, for sure. Right, coming from a smaller school, I think he definitely has a chip on his shoulder coming yeah. into this. Walk on small, walk school. on small school, shorter guy, under on his shoulder. Especially you know when they compare it to like Calvin Ridley, who did not produce as much as him. He was underlooked. He had an insane number of yards and touchdowns at Memphis, which you know the American is not the SEC, of course. And no. you know, they had Jalen Hurts, who doesn't really pass, but still he produced the most out of any receiver in football last year at a decent level. They played good teams. He went off against UCF in the conference championship game. I really was surprised he wasn't a first-round pick, and I think he was too. Okay. Any other thoughts on other players? About Floyd a little bit? Oh, yeah. Floyd's supposed to be developing some new pass rush moves, working on his long arm, basically just trying to get as much extension as he can using those long arms. I don't know exactly how, like 34 inches he's long or something. Guy. He's yeah, a lengthy he's guy. He's a lengthy guy. Six foot six. He's a long man. So working on some of that so he could get to the quarterback a little bit more consistently, hopefully hit that 10 sack mark this season. That's what we uh, need to see from him. He has to be that dominant pass rusher. I know we talked about the guys in the Hall of Fame game that played well, but you can't be banking on those undrafted late-round right. picks to right. be real contributors for you. He needs to be the lead sack guy. It's him and Hicks. That's yeah. you know that's the pass rush right now. Right. Well, I mean, they're not going to be... And I, Every time the Bears draft a guy on the D-line, it's always, oh, is this going to be the guy that's going to sack Rodgers? It's like, I want a guy who's going to be consistent right. all year. He's, not played, just to, yeah, you know, he's played well against you know the Packers, but you know I want he needs to stay on the field first of all. Yeah, right. that's true. Staying healthy, he's, he's had health problems, and he needs to be more consistent. You're right. He did not have a secondary pass move. It was a speed rush, or it wasn't happening for him. Uh, yeah, he's got to work on the hand technique a little bit. I mean, he's a guy that's relied on his athleticism his whole career, which, I mean, it's not a knock. There's a lot of guys coming out of college yeah, that... He was a project can, when we drafted yeah, him. Yeah, he can just run around guys, but now he's getting to the NFL. You're facing tackles that actually are athletic that can actually step out in front, so you got to work on your secondary moves, your hands. And he did play a lot of off-ball, Georgia. He did, yes. So staying on the same side with defense... Still kind of that, I don't know if it's a clash really, but just all the Kwiatkowski and Roquan Smith stuff. It's really, really interesting to me because obviously everybody knows about the Roquan holdout. Who knows how long it's going to last? Maybe even into the regular season. Probably not. I hope not. But you don't know. And the person who's taking advantage of it is Kwiatkowski. Talked about it last time. Going to keep talking about it. He keeps playing well in camp. Roquan isn't there. If Roquan was there, he'd be pushing for that starting job right about now. But he's not, and Kwiatkowski took advantage of it. Well, and my thing, okay, as a Bears fan, and being a knowledgeable Bears fan, how much of the blame do you put on him for not being out there right now? Roquan? Yeah. I think in the beginning, the more it goes on, the more and more and more I'm going to put it on Roquan. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, his agent works for him. Right. right? It's not the other way around. I don't know how good. I don't know. I'm not. His agent is not like manipulating him or anything. Like right. That. Roquan knows exactly what he's doing at this point. 
I don't know if he's just so confident in his abilities. He thinks it doesn't matter how much camp he misses. He's still got a decent amount of time left. The thing that does worry me is this next week of practices are joint practices in Denver. That's not really where you want your first practices with no. the team to no, be. No, not at all. Moving on to the Bears in general, we want to talk about the offensive positions today. So starting off at quarterback, obviously Trubisky is the man. He is in his sophomore the season. Guy. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's no there's no giraffe running around out there that we have to worry <laughs> no, about. No, no Mike Glennon today. I mean, Tyler Braze, he's getting there. He's a big dude. Neck, neck not quite as long, but still pretty tall. Just, just a large man. Yeah. So yeah. they've got the three. They got right? it. So they got Trubisky. He's going to be your starter. They got right. the traveled veteran in Chase Daniel. And then they got a little bit of a younger guy in Tyler Bray. But the interesting part of the group, we know what Trubisky's going to be. He's the starter. But the backups that they brought in were purposely put there to help Trubisky kind of get a grasp of this offense well-traveled veteran and Tyler Bray, who have both played in this offense before. These aren't just random backups. They're actually here for a reason. So I think that's that's all we have to say on that. Moving on to running backs, obviously Jordan Howard, the big name. Yep, Tariq Cohen um, still back there. He's going to be your kind of third down scat back type. Um, so those are your top two guys. And then there's a little bit of a battle uh, down at three if you want to read off the names that are competing for that one. Right, so for fighting for the third spot, we got Benny Cunningham, Taquan Mazzell, and then Ryan Nall. I know Luke is pretty high on Ryan Nall. He's a big dude out of Oregon State, uh, 6'2", 240-ish, and still ran 4'5", I mean, those are hard numbers to uh, compete with. Well, I want them to carry Ryan Nall instead of a Benny Cunningham. I think if they carry Nall, it's going to be sort of in a fullback slash running back role, and they wouldn't carry Michael Burden, who we can throw into the backs because you know he's in the backfield right. there. But yeah, right. Yeah. Benny Cunningham is, is he's thirty, you know. 30 and now. the issue that I have, the only issue that I have with that running back group is, let's just say Howard misses a game or two. You know, not serious. They like a light sprained ankle. Maybe they're not playing the greatest team that week, so they figure they'll give him the week off. You really can't have Tariq Cohen and Benny Cunningham carrying the whole load because they're both that kind. They're both the scat-back smaller guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they can't carry the ball that many times a game. So I just don't know if they have appropriate depth. Like, obviously, it's a talented position group with Howard and Cohen. They play off each other really well, but Cohen's not going to be your 25 carry back. You know, you get him in space, he can run up the tackles a little bit. You really don't want him getting that many carries. I do think it's silently one of the better running back tandems in the NFL. No, oh, one, yeah. really, no one really talks about the Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, but it really is the classic thunder and lightning. Not only are they talented, but the value that they get for the size of their contracts right now is yes. tremendous. I, yes. Probably making it, both of them to combine hovering around a million dollars a year. The amount of value they're getting out of that position is ridiculous. It's about two fourth-round picks, right? A fifth and a fourth. Fifth and a fourth. Well, and I think the reason they don't get that much attention is because Cohen is viewed as more than just a running back, I feel. Like, he's not he, just a running he's back. A, he's just an athlete. He's right. not a running a back. A dynamic athlete. A dynamic athlete. He doesn't. He's not like a guy. He's not going to be the guy on any offense ever. You know, he, he's not going to carry your whole team. He's an explosive, exciting playmaker who is that would be a value to all 32 teams in the league. He's like Sproles, if you guys remember watching Darren Sproles mm -hmm. back on the Eagles. He's very much like Sproles, I think, uh, a little bit bigger. but similar, Right, well, and that's all I'm saying, where he's not one of those guys you know when you think of running backs he's not a bell cow he's not gonna no he's right. not back yeah. right no i'm saying he's still amazing athlete fantastic wherever you put him but i'm just saying i think that's why he hasn't been thought of the same way he as some other people the perfect player for his use on the bears right, right. now yes 
Right, moving on, we're gonna go to wide receivers now. Obviously some big up. So obviously we got Allen Robinson um, in the off season, Taylor Gabriel as well, and then we just drafted Anthony Miller. And I did hear that Javon Wims is getting some reps with the ones. After yeah, this, a little bit here and there. Game. Anthony Miller said that in a radio interview this past week, which is good to see, especially because the guy behind Allen Robinson right now, or the mm-hmm. guy who looks like he would be like the number one outside receiver opposite of him, is Kevin White. And I don't know how much you want to rely on Kevin White. Not high on Kevin White. I, I don't even want to talk about Kevin White, to be honest, because he just, he's like that out, ghost man. in the room who is there, but not really. Yeah. And I feel bad a little for the guy because, mm. you know, he got hurt and he didn't do anything, I guess. I don't, there's nothing like about Kevin White's character that upsets me right. or like, but even when he was on the field a little bit, it's not like he was like dynamic, fantastic. The most He played four games one year. He was but okay. He's always been coming off of an injury though. Sure, We've never seen sure, a healthy sure. Kevin White. So is this the Derrick Rose effect? No. He, well, no. he is not quite one well, no, MVP but I, before. Okay, I don't mean I don't mean in terms of he was, you know, this amazing player and then he, you know, fell from grace, but just in the terms of people aren't mad at him for anything he's done. It's just the fact that he's not reliable. Yeah, sure. No, you got your irrational fans out there right. who just get so angry at him, but it's not really his fault. Some of these injuries are freak injuries, like broken mm-hmm. bones and stuff like that. Yeah. Can't really do a whole lot about that. You break your clavicle, you break your clavicle, like, you right. know, but right. it's hard to call him a bust too. Cause he just, he just hasn't been out there. I it's, mean, to me, a bust is someone that plays and is just bad, but I mean, he's fleshed speed, the ability to catch, but like he's never produced on the football field. No, he's a great, because he's never on it. He was a great athlete. Didn't run the whole route tree at West Virginia, which, I mean, he hasn't had the time to develop that. I think Anthony Miller, Anthony Miller already runs significantly better routes than him. He runs the whole route tree. Oh, yeah. Um, he was a go receiver at West Virginia, and that's all he really knew coming into the league. But you, when you're in the NFL, you got to develop that whole tree, and they have to be crisp routes or you're not going to get open. Yeah. To me, for Kevin White, it was a go or is a screen. That's yeah. It. They just got the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And yep. he was a little, like... You know, I, he was indecisive when he caught those screens, too, yes, where he, he wanted yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. Another guy, when we talk a little bit about Taylor Gabriel, they kind of – a lot of people talk about Tariq Cohen playing that Tyreek Hill role. I think it's going to be more Taylor Gabriel than Tariq Cohen. I feel like Tariq Cohen's kind of his own beast. But uh, Taylor yeah. Gabriel, he's going to – that speedy, smaller stature, of course, kind of guy. I feel like he's the pickup that everyone forgot about when yeah, it comes yeah. to who the yeah. Bears grabbed. Like – He's there, and you say his name, and people are like, isn't he with the... Oh, wait, yeah, we did sign him, didn't we? Yeah, he's just so fast. And shift. remember, he got cut from Cleveland and then played great (laughs) with Atlanta. Uh, Now he's with us. Uh, Pretty big contract for him. Obviously, he's got to produce, but he doesn't see himself as just the slot receiver, which is what interests me. Obviously, when you sign a guy like that, the first thing that pops in your head... Slot guy. Perfect slot guy. Yeah, but uh, apparently he plays outside a little bit too. He's just, he's that Tyreek Hill kind of guy. If you want a picture, if you want to go watch Chiefs film from last year to see what the Bears are going to look like for this year, Tyreek Hill is uh, the Taylor Gabriel for this offense. You think they'll hand the ball off to Taylor Gabriel? Maybe on end arounds. He's not going to go up the tackles. That's what's the main difference between him and Tariq Cohen is because you can you can put Tariq Cohen up up the tackles. Oh yeah, you can between run the tackles, zone, but halfback dive, whatever. Cannot do that with uh, Gabriel too no. often. Anyway, keep him honest a little bit maybe, yeah. but you don't want him taking those hits all the time. Yeah. So moving on, we got to talk tight ends. Good group. Very. Good I think group. so. I think they don't have one guy who can do everything, but mm-hmm. they have a lot of guys who can be really good at what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
they're definitely going to be carrying three, maybe four, probably three tight ends, though. Trey Burton is going to slot into that flex position for Matt Nagy's offense. He's going to try to highlight him a lot. Uh, he's a guy that can definitely make plays out there. Five touchdowns for Philly. I know we touched on him a little bit last week, but he's definitely someone that I'm excited to see out there. Deion Sims, a little bit more classic run-blocking tight end. He can catch passes here and there. He's all right. And then Adam Shaheen, the younger guy we drafted last year in the second round. Really, really good athlete, but still hasn't... He hasn't produced yet. No. I, watched, I mean, John Fox did not like playing rookies, so I'm not going to like pin it on him as a right. huge negative. But he's kind of the guy that I think is maybe the cross between the two of them a little bit. He's bigger than Sims even, but like he's the kind of guy who bring him in line the block and you can regularly throw him out there for passes too, especially in the red zone. My problem with Shaheen though, I don't really know if I feel like he has natural hands the way that Trey Burton, I think he catches the ball fluidly. Shaheen kind of seems a little bit more clunky and robotic to me. Yeah. But yeah you know, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. So uh, you're I saying want... he has brick hands? No, no I'm not no, saying he has brick hands. No, okay. we're not, man. No, Come on. Okay. He can catch ball. I'm just saying it doesn't seem natural to him. It Talking way off script again but like wide receivers Javon Wims seemed like a natural ball catcher to me that's why I thought he really flashed mm -hmm. in Georgia and it's something that I saw in Trey Burton but definitely not something that Adam Shaheen sorry I just I there. love when I said it Stop. you like you got all nervous like he was standing like in the room with us just staring <laughs> at you like no no I didn't mean it what would you say about me <laughs> you said I had what hands okay so moving on one last bit of the offense we need to touch on is the O-line. Okay, I feel like compared to three years ago, I mean, this this O-line light years ahead of what we it's had. It's very, very interesting. Mm. Okay. But Go so on. You, you, got, <laughs> you got white hair at your center, right? The young guy who had a great rookie year. Took a little bit of a step back last year. Played left tackle in college, too. Kansas State, yep. Yeah. So you got him, he's your center. Kyle Wong's your right guard, actually having a healthy offseason. He did have the surgeries, of course, but after training camp, he's been, for the most part, full go. Nice to see. Bobby Massey, the weak link, honestly. He's okay. He's not like the worst right tackle in the league, but clearly out of all these guys, he's at, he's at the bottom. And he's going to come up. I don't think he'll be with the team next year, actually. We'll see what they do in the offseason, but his contract's up, so I'm not totally sure that he'll be here. Left guard, position battle. You got the rookie in Daniels, and then Eric Cush, who was, was hurt last year, who was going to be the main backup guard, tore his hamstring in training camp. I like him a lot. He's a solid guard. I can see him starting, and it doesn't concern me. You know, he's not like an all-pro or anything like that, but you don't really need, you just need serviceable guys who keep Mitch Trubisky upright, open up some run lanes, especially if the 20-year-old Daniels just isn't quite ready yet. He's solid. He's definitely solid. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, it happens every year. You get that one offensive lineman who hurts a something, mm. and you every need year. a guy to fill in. And I feel like with James Daniels, even if he ends up just kind of waiting in the wings, I feel like he can be a good yeah. replacement. Well, he played center in college, too, right. so he can play center. Well, th Whitehair can play center or guard. There's um, a lot of versatility, I think, on the interior. interior. Kyle Long, I mean, he used to play right tackle. So. For a year, yeah. Yeah, so Cody Whitehair can play either guard position or center. James Daniels can play either guard or center. And then I'm sure Eric Cush can play either guard yeah, position as well. So. Uh, the one guy we haven't mentioned yet, Charles Leno. What a shock for the Bears. I did not see him developing into what he's I did becoming. not. Yeah. He's an above-average left tackle. He is. He, it's he great. He really is. It's nice to see seventh round pick something like that those never turn into really good left tackles usually you got to get those in the top part of the draft there a great find really and i do think that james daniels will end up getting the starting 
job at left guard probably by the end of camp. He has a little bit of a shoulder problem for a while there, but I think he's back now. So I think he'll end up winning it. But again, all three of those interior guys, three, four interior guys, they can play all those positions, which is really nice. And having Kush to back up is definitely really valuable. So you're saying you're not high on Kush when it comes to the uh, the battle? No. Come on, man. <laughs> this is a kid's show, Matt. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry for all the all the children listening out there. Okay. So any... <laughs> all, all zero. Yeah, yeah, all none of them. Yeah. <laughs> any, any final thoughts on the Bears' offense and how they're looking? Well, it's going to be a lot different. Hopefully more explosive. I really, really don't want to see run, run, pass oh ever again <laughs> in my life. I don't know how great they will be this year, but the one thing that I am sure of is that they will be a lot more fun to watch. It yes. was so just, it was almost painful watching the offense operate last year. I mean, I don't want to beg on John Fox too much, but man, he was just not good at running an offense last year. Did not nope. like John Fox. Well, so now you have the perfect group. You have Nagy. And you have Fangio yeah. on defense. So and then, uh, I think the uh, Harry Heastan hire, too, which we haven't oh, that's uh, covered big. in here. The former Notre Dame offensive line coach, yeah. uh, widely regarded as the best offensive line coach in all of football. That was a huge hire. He actually used to be part of the Bears during that other prime era, if you right. call it. Those are some pretty good offensive lines, too. He really gets the best out of his players. I like that. <laughs> so moving on now to baseball. I started with the Cubs last week, so I will concede the floor to you, Luke. You want to talk about your White Sox a little bit? Not a whole lot of new stuff with the White Sox. They did have their first four-game uh, win streak of the season, which was kind of nice against some maybe not the greatest teams in the world. But, you know, it was kind of nice. Eloy is still raking in the minors. He had a home run today. This is the eighth we're recording this. Kopech has shown more consistency. He had that bit of the slump. He started off on fire, had a little bit of a slump. Um, seems to be picking it back up again, not walking a lot of guys, not letting a lot of runners on base, using his secondary pitches, which is really good to see out of him. He also said that he would be disappointed if he didn't get called up this season. I don't know if he will. I think that he should. I don't think that extra year of control is that serious. Um, they're going to have to give him a contract extension anyway. It's like not that ridiculous. It's not like they're going to not lock him up. But yeah, I want to see them both up this year. I really, I'm starting to think that Eloy's not going to come up, but I could see him late August, September call up for Kopech. But if they're not up or seem like they're about to be up by the time September comes around, then I just, I don't see it happening this season, which is a bummer to be honest, because we suffered through this whole season. It was just not good. I understand why it's necessary. I'm not crazy. Like you got to tear it down to build it up, but right. you know, give us something. As a Cubs fan, it's coming. The the fun stuff and coming. all the good times, it's coming. I know that you it's just coming. gotta wait. I'm not worried about. It. I am. I know, I know. you are. I yeah, know. yeah. The former Cub prospect Eli Jimenez is going to set the league on fire. He's gonna be good. I think we got what we needed from that trade. We needed a pitcher. Well, Quintana's been better since. I mean, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't been amazing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But he's been a solid three or four. Yep. You know. And speaking of Cubs pitchers, we have a new Cubs pitcher, Cole Hamels. In the two games he's played, he's been, I think, lights out for the most part. Two games, two wins, sub one ERA. He's still rocking the nine strikeouts per nine. I think he's even better than we anticipated. We got him for essentially nothing. And everyone small sample size. Right. But well, yeah, small sample size, obviously. It's not a good for start. Good a huge start. duration, but it's a great start, I think. We don't need him to be the number one lock it down. Yeah, Cy Young candidate that he was with the Phillies. We just need him to be a good guy who can fill out the rotation because you Darvish is still 
dealing with whatever he's dealing with. Tyler Chatwood, unfortunately, just doesn't have control over a long duration, so we can't count on him. And that's that's the situation with the pitching. So I think we got what we needed. Um, obviously, Cubs-wise, really wish Chris Bryant would you know even, even swing a bat again because he hasn't even done that yet, to my knowledge. And it's a little frustrating because that's... That's our guy, and yeah. when he's not there, yeah, I think you kind of sucks. A little deeper of a bullpen too. We added Kinsler from the Nats, and we added Jesse Chavez. I think I don't have their numbers in front of me, but for all I know, they've been what we need them to be. I mean, and that's the hardest spot in Major League Baseball is a relief pitcher. Yeah, because everyone's expectation is for you to go out there and be perfect every single time, and that's just not possible. It's, yeah, you know. you know the Cubs are still the first in the NL. Like, right. It's not even though the Dodgers got Machado, and I expect them to pick it up a little bit. It's, they haven't taken off since he got there. They're a little bit above 500, but they're still the best team in the NL. Most of the really good teams that I think have a chance to win the World Series are in the AL in uh, Boston and Houston. I think are the top two guys for that. But look, um, the Cubs still have a very, very good shot to make it out of the NL. Unfortunately, but um, <laughs> nothing to be super worried about. Right. Right. So. That's all there. And I have to mention, the Red Sox are just going crazy. They're running away with it. They are 39, as of August 8th, they're 39 games away from clinching the division. That's insane. I said, wrap it up. When Lucas says wrap it up, you can wrap it up. And then they swept (laughs) the Yankees right after that. What, nine games up now? Yep. Yep. Well, we, I mean, we have seven weeks left in the season, and that's just, that's sticking to it. That's insane. That's insane. I mean, they're they're an amazing team, but still, that's they're just so well rounded. Chris Sale hasn't even pitched for the past two weeks. Just resting think. him for the playoffs, a right? Little bit, yeah, right. And he that 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 blows my mind. I can't believe how good they are. I, right. I mean, I can act like I'm the biggest baseball historian out here, but I'm pretty sure they're on pace to come pretty close to the most wins in regular season history. One fourteen, I, I think they were on pace for the other day. I, I know they're being close because one of my coworkers, Brad, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> shout out, Brad. Shout out, Brad McClelland. He's big Red Sox fan, and he was talking my ear off, basically, <laughs> about, you know, this is yeah. an amazing yeah. team. And I, I, all I could say was, yeah, you're right. I mean. They're good. Yeah. I mean, enjoy this while it lasts. If this is your, if the Red Sox are your team, enjoy it because it's a fun time. Soaking and in. It doesn't happen always. Alex, any baseball thoughts? No thoughts on baseball for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, a little bit out of season, but the NCAA just announced new rules for basketball. Let's hit it with the first part here. So undrafted college players can return to school if they were invited to the combine. So here's the official NCAA language. College basketball players who request an undergraduate advisory committee evaluation participate in the NBA Combine and aren't drafted can return to school as long as they notify their athletics director of their intent by 5 p.m. the Monday after the draft. Yeah, that's better than it was before, but it's, it's not like 300 guys go to the Combine. It's like a little bit more that end up getting drafted. So we're really talking about like 10, 15 guys here, really, realistically, which it's not nothing, of course, but, you know, like it's not – it's not like they're just like, oh, it doesn't work out, test the waters, come on back. It's not this widespread thing. Yeah, and if we're being honest, this is to the NCAA's advantage to keep good athletes at their schools. Because even if you go undrafted in the NBA, you could still be a stud in college 
And with the previous rules, if you declare for the draft and you don't get drafted, then the NCAA, you can't play there anymore. Right. So they're, they're keeping good athletes in their programs for their gain. Well, and with the looming one-and-done rule potentially... 2021, Coming. right? Yeah. 2021. I mean, is this an attempt by them to kind of get out ahead of that and do what they can? More, maybe a little bit, but I think it's more, a lot of other leagues and other countries get more and more attractive every single year. Spain's a great league. We saw the contract they offered to Dwayne Wade in China. Playing basketball overseas is, is not a bad gig. Okay. Well, there you go. On to the next new rule. So the NCAA is allowing quote, elite high school players and any college player to be represented by an agent now. So the official language, college basketball players can be represented by an agent beginning after any basketball season if they request an evaluation from the NBA Undergraduate Advisory Committee. Pending a decision by the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association, high school basketball players can be represented by an agent beginning July 1st before their senior year in high school provided they have been identified as an elite senior prospect by USA Basketball. This one seems to me more like getting ahead of the one-and-done rule. Well, it was happening anyway, let's be real here. Like, these kids had agents anyway. This is just, you know, you get these weird little kids would get in trouble for this every once in a while, but every single one of these kids was going to have an agent, whether or not they had this rule or not. so it's not that serious. The only the weird thing with me is the USA Basketball decides who's an elite prospect. I want to see how that pans out because, you know, there's going to be kids who just didn't quite make that or are still pretty good uh, players. But, yeah, that's just the only weird part of that rule to me. Okay. Next big rule, the NCAA no longer has to do its own investigating into rule breakers. So, again, the official language, people charged with investigating and resolving NCAA cases can accept information established by another administrative body, including a court of law, government agency, accrediting body, or a commission authorized by a school. This will save time and resources previously used to confirm information already educated by another group. So thoughts on that? I mean, basically the NCAA says, hey, we don't wanna do this anymore. You can do it. We can now take court of law's opinion or their rulings into our rulings. I don't know why this wasn't a rule before, yeah, but they, they're still going to do whatever they want. I let's mean, be honest. Why, why did the NCAA think that their judgment was above? Well, they, I think they just uh, they know. just want to have all power. Yeah, yeah. Well, because if they take care of their internal stuff themselves, they have the power. It's yeah, not like it's true. oh, we were kicking back and these other people looked at it for us. You know, they're taking responsibility the investigations and what happens i understand this i suppose but i i don't know they just they want control and i think they're still going to have control yeah I mean, they, it didn't say they have to use no the court of laws if it i mean if it's to their benefit they can but yeah yeah okay and i think that's that about, that's all that's on the list here that i'm looking at on sb nation those are the big bigger things those are the big right, ones yeah, yeah. um i guess I don't know if these were in rules before, but agents can pay for your expenses, like your food and yeah. That's what kids were getting in trouble for, like a free meal. Right, or right. So the like agents that, can now pay which, for that. It's ridiculous that they were getting in trouble for that anyway. But well, because you know, if your mom gets a fifty dollar meal at ooh, it's a federal that's crime it for you. To the NCAA, you can get right out of our. Yeah, league you're right you're now. out of there, buddy. Okay, so 
I think I think that's pretty much the yeah, good I think that, on that's that. the highlights on that one, yeah. So anyway, speaking of rule breakers, we have some North Carolina players selling shoes. Yep. North Carolina football team. This was back in January, but these suspensions were just announced. North Carolina football has announced the suspension of 13 players. What did they do wrong? Selling things that belong to them to a willing buyer. North Carolina is a Jordan school now, even in football. So what happens was their players got free pairs of special edition Jordans, and they sold them to a local store, some of them for 2,500 bucks, which is not allowed in the NCAA because forbid that uh, you How make How dare you money. make money? How dare How you make dare. money How off of things you that you own? think that you could <laughs> right? make money? Or off your own name. Oh, man. Right. Oh, but anyway, oh. nine players, most notably a possible starting quarterback for them, Chaz Surratt, got a four-game suspension. And the thing that really gets me is the quote from their coach that really upset me. He said, these young men knew the rules and are being held responsible for their poor choices they have made. Accountability is an important core principle in this program. We will learn from this and aim to do better in the future. What that really shows me is uh, these coaches, for the most part, are not on the side of the players. They're on the side of the dollars. I'm sure a lot of them talk to these recruits about how they care about these kids so much. They don't. It just it bothers me that the NCAA does this. Like, I understand that maybe you know you don't want to pay him a salary. That's fine, I guess. Like, I don't like that either, or a stipend, or you know something. Something. Um, but the fact that they're not allowed to make money just from being who they are because they play whatever sport it is, football in this case, for an NCAA school is the most ridiculously absurd thing that I have ever heard in my entire life. And they can't unionize, so there's not a whole lot that they can really do about it. Right. So, I mean, my thing, and I'm not big in the whole sneakerhead culture. I wear Adidas flip-flops pretty much <laughs> everywhere. No, I'm not wearing that. No. I wear Converse. So, look, if someone's going to offer me that much money for shoes, I'm going to take it, especially if I'm a college athlete. Well, who knows what their financial situation right. is? I don't know. Right. You know, but maybe they need it. I mean, for a lot of them, it, it's pretty poor. They're coming from even if they not a lot of money. Even if they don't need it, they should have the right to get it. Exactly. Uh, when uh, Johnny Manziel got in trouble for selling autographs, he didn't need the money, but his, he owns his name. Right. Why, why can't he make money off of it? Well, yeah, and that's that's a whole mess. We don't but, need to talk about Johnny. Right, four right. interceptions. Um, ooh, ooh, CFL Johnny. Yeah, ooh, big. Four interceptions. Big CFL Johnny. That's all I have to say about Johnny. that. Johnny yeah step it up Johnny I well and again friend of the show Brad McClellan mm. oh man he uh he was very excited about the return of one Johnny Manziel what are you doing Brad cold take from from Brad I think and I'm paraphrasing here mm. the gist of what he was telling me was that if you put Johnny Manziel into any system after two years in the CFL he would make everyone around him better. Wow. I think you should just be happy to be a CFL starter. CFL's not a bad league, you know? Like It's the second best out there, I guess. Well, look, yeah. okay, there, at the end of the day... There's some good players in the CFL. Yeah, you can't be bad at football and play there. Look, they shouldn't have started him this early. He got traded, like, what, four or five days before? Like, he had that start. Like, that's ridiculous. You can be a quarterback, supposed to know the whole offense in five days. It's just not... No. gonna happen right. especially a new league with new rules that he's probably still not quite used to come on they did not set him up for success well okay and at the end of the day he's being paid to play a sport mm. like i'm not gonna be mad at that 
Like dude's he'll be out better. there, right? He'll be better. He'll, he'll be yeah, better. He'll turn it around. But he's out there, you know, doing his thing, throwing interceptions, but <laughs> being I Johnny mean, you know, football, being Johnny, being big money just Johnny. Just give him, give him a few weeks to get acclimated. Yeah. See, that's that's probably what it was. The play calls and the helmet weren't coming through because right. he had all the money, you know, oh, like yeah, up the, against yeah, it. Yeah. The, the money phone was blocking it. I don't know so. what you think they make in Canada. It's not quite that much, man. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Anyways, so we have a debate that we want to get to. Best uniform, best sports uniforms. For me, a little bit off the radar here, I'm going to go with the North Carolina football, all Carolina blues. Not the ones with the black accents, just like the regular home jerseys, but with like their away pants. Love the Carolina blue looks real good looking at a picture of a mitch trubisky wearing it right now <laughs> big fan a little bit of a bias there maybe uh, mitch no, trubisky, no. i mean Carolina. maybe i didn't notice them till i saw if i if we're going with bias i would just say michigan right now or i also really like um any like team usa stuff like for the olympics like the soccer right, national right, teams are really yeah. good but yeah i didn't notice it until i started watching like little trubisky highlight tapes and right stuff yeah yeah got a, little, got a little man crush so who, watches, who watches north carolina football like when you don't have a prospect from that team on there like who's gonna watch that I, come on i don't exactly i can say that much. even on tv no. here come on i mean you know so okay alex you're next up all right so similar color scheme but i'm going with the Old Charger Powder Blues. Um, okay. Classic. They're they're a classic jer- jersey in my eyes. Um, when I think of them, I think of LT dark face mask, powder blues, a lot of sweat stains. <laughs> they're just they're my favorite jerseys. I always love using them in Madden. Um, I always wish I got a chance to wear those in whatever little league I was in. So. Yeah. Okay. And for my pick, I got to go a little retro here. Going all the way back to the Houston Astros Tequila Sunrise jerseys. Big fan. Big fan. It reminds me like the Utah those Jazz cool. ones now. A yeah, bit. the the new Utah Jazz Mountain ones, but those are those are cool. It's just like this is this is baseball. You mm, look at sure. this and you yeah. just think. You tell me when the White baseball. Sox wore shorts is not baseball. I mean, you know, I, I just I feel like this this speaks to a different generation uh, than okay. than the shorts. Okay. okay. But, I mean, okay, and some runner-ups, what do we got? I like Michigan football and basketball, but I'll stick with football here. I like how they don't have wasted space. Like, they don't use white, right? Like, I don't like, I don't hate using white, unless it's one of your colors, like, that's one thing. But there's not a whole lot of wasted space on it, if they use any white at all, really, except for maybe, like, chin straps here or there. But the winged helmet is iconic, of course. Can't talk about it without the winged helmet. That'll never go away. It's a timeless classic to me. Big fan. When the Bears oranges, of course. Ooh, right. the, yeah, yeah, the talk Bears, Bears oranges. Orange. Oh yeah, Bears orange. And a couple, and I'm trying to trying to look here real quick. Ooh, Denver Nuggets. The old the Denver rain. Nuggets oh, ones. Yeah, the those were nice. The, mm, those were mm, nice. And I, then like we were talking about earlier, the new Utah Jazz ones. They just came out with the uh, the mountain. When they switched the, to Nike and like yeah. the purple yeah. haze. Those are pretty nice too. Looking nice. Those are probably my favorites. I love the right orange now. Utah Jazz ones that they wore in the playoffs a lot last oh, year. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe slight bias. I'm a big fan for the Blackhawks, and I know I, I just talked hockey, and immediately both of you just disappeared. Um, the old, like black uniforms, not from like 2008, but like the older, where they had like the older. Um, Chief Blackhawk head and all the I, big fan, big fan. Oh, if I'm gonna and shout then, out, yeah, I'm gonna shout out Purdue. 
Okay. Their, uh, oh my god. Their jerseys when they played Michigan, the all black with the shiny gold helmet. Those how, were nice. How did that game go? I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking <laughs> about the jerseys. <laughs> the all black jerseys with the gold helmets. I do like those. Those are nice. Yeah, if we're gonna nice. talk modern NFL uniforms, I, I know you were on me because I used it in Madden for most of last year. I like the Seahawks uniform. They're Which fine. ones? The the bright green ones? No, the blue ones. Like the oh. either one. No, the whole on, group. On, the whole group of it. Mm-hmm. It just it's a I modern like look. It's but when they when they had the release because it was who it was Seattle and Tampa Bay right who got like the updated well when Nike uniform? when NFL picked up the Nike right. contract yeah. right and they both got updates I I think they look clean I think they look modern that's just my opinion and you yeah. like the gray ones. Don't I like the, the gray CX ones. CX of the, like the, the all gray, gray ones. ones. I thought I thought those were underrated. I just to think be honest. Uh, any uh, particularly bad ones here we want to talk about. Oh, the Packers. Yep. The Packers. Oh, the Packers ones they look are like just, garbage cans. Just, man. Oh, just waste awful. management up in here trying to play football. Oh my god. We can't oh, not we, talk about the bumblebees. Are we talking about the, the bumblebees? <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers bumblebees. <laughs> oh, those are iconically terrible. Oh, Hopefully, you guys can picture these when we talk about them. But man. Oh man, you guys. It's, if you're football fans, you know the Steelers you, bumblebees. You know the bumblebees. You know the Steelers. You know the bumblebees, oh, man. That is so a whole lot. Any of bad. any final touches for best jerseys? Any underrated picks that we left out? Because I'm sure we're leaving some out. Oh yeah, I'm the sure. new U.S. soccer jerseys. I really like the white ones with the stripes. They're real cool. I like I like the um, the uh, women won gold in hockey this past Olympics. Those jerseys were really nice. I just really okay. don't like the green and yellow. Yeah, sports. man. Honestly, just green and yellow is the worst color combination. Like, you like don't ever like pick. it with the Packers. Don't like it with Oakland either. It's not yeah. good. The in baseball, the A's, it's just not good. <laughs> Maybe a bright green is kind of okay, but no. come on, man. What are you doing? It's not. No, great. It's not okay. You look like waste management truck you rolling really down the do. street. <laughs> okay, one pick I forgot. Mm. The old Raptors with the giant oh, Raptor. Oh, classic. Like, classic. Purple with the Raptor. Vince Carter. Yep. It's just what I think of. I just, it's seen so many of those. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. They're all over the place. Oh, yeah, saw, saw him at Lala. Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah. He wasn't wearing a basketball jersey at Lala. No one, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's the go-to. That's what you should do. You should buy a bunch of those like knockoff Chinese jerseys and just stand outside of Lala with and like a cart oh, and just yeah. here you didn't bring a basketball jersey <laughs> all the here guys, you go here you go here all go. the guys that feel left out because yeah, they didn't that in Walmart Hawaiian shirts and then oh yeah oh, <laughs> hey, hey hey leave my Walmart Hawaiian shirts alone those are those are an underrated treasure to the fashion community should get more respect you are on your own on that one should get more respect but whatever okay so final shout out to Brian Urlacher, now a Hall of Famer. Now a Hall of Famer. Uh, I thought he had a really good speech, to be honest with you. Yeah, you can tell he didn't like talking in front of the crowd that right, much. Right, right. I mean, considering the fact that he doesn't like to talk about himself yeah. or just talk he defi- to he talked people about in general. Teammates where he said Lance Briggs will be there someday, which is kind of cool. I, I, I'd be down for it. I, I think so. Hester I think, will be there soon. Yeah, Barry's Hester definitely. See, Devin Hester will be in the Hall of Fame. We're going to see Hester. We're going to see Briggs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The only one I'm going to say I'm pretty sure about is Hester. The two that I'm iffy about that I would like to see are Briggs and Peanut. Peanut has like the takeaway numbers to maybe get in there with the 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 fumbles. Yeah, Yeah, the fumbles. But look, I totally agree. 
I just, and it hurts me to say this, I just don't know if he had that power behind him, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's a big enough name. I don't think he's not going to be a first ballot. Or no. Anything like that. But right. when, you, when you go back and you look at his numbers, you see, like, the force fumbles, and you remember the peanut punch. Right. Was, DBs still call it the peanut punch. They do. Exactly. So that's, I mean. Iconic. Really. My, my rule, if you are considered for the Hall of Fame, if you did something in the game to, to the point the game. Game. where yeah, where people name something after you or you complete like um, recently passed away Blackhawk Stan Makita, until he and Bobby Hole came along, hockey sticks the blade was straight. There was no curve to it, mm. and they came along and they curved it. Yeah, I know about and this. And that that changed the game. That changed how the game is, and so just stuff like that. Where if you do something to the point where rules are changed or where something is named after you, I'd say that makes you Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. We'll see. I don't, I'm not, see. I don't have super high expectations yeah. on it, but I would really just love to see it. Yeah. I mean, everyone in this room is rooting for it. so sure. Right, right. And I will say it was kind of weird. I got caught in one of those moments, and we're, we're having more and more of those, at least I am, where this is the first player to go in to any hall of fame that like i watched a majority of their career yeah like most of these guys it's like oh wow that was cool i've seen that clip a couple times or something but like this guy i watched him i grew up on on you know watching brian Erlach. this whole class too with uh, ray lewis and randy moss like these are guys that like like I looked up to Brian Urlacher right. as a kid. I wanted to play yeah, linebacker we so I could be Brian Urlacher. Everybody had a Brian Urlacher. Everyone, right, everyone, right. everyone still has a Brian Urlacher jersey. Yeah. It might not fit me, but uh, I, it's it's there. Mine does. I got it when I was seven. It was huge, and now it fits like a regular T-shirt. It looks a little <laughs> weird, but I'll still wear it. Yeah, I mean, there's if we want to go way back. There's the picture when we went to the pre. Oh, that picture. We were both wearing Brian Urlacher jerseys. We, we were both wearing Brian Urlacher jerseys. Until now, until now we were. Uh, who were you gonna buy a jersey for? Forte a little bit. There was no current Bears to buy jerseys some, for. Some people bought Cutler. I, I had a Cutler jersey. Some people bought. Cutler. I'm sorry. I, I didn't feel proud of it later on. Sorry but, that happened to you. But I got longevity out of it. Got to buy a Mitch one. I got well. Yeah. I have a Mitch one. Hop on. Oh, I do you really? It's right. I wore it to the game okay. where I saw Bryce Callahan. You got to wear a Mitch jersey. We're not talking about Bryce Callahan. Okay, back to back Goat. to Hall of Famers. Goat. So, okay, Erlacher, best Erlacher moments in your head. Go. I think the 85-yard pick six, the old one. 85. It was 85, I thought. In 2012? Yeah. I was that not 85? Yeah. It was like 45. Okay. It well, felt like 85. It felt like right. 85 because he was running so slow. It was so funny. And then he was just sitting on the bench he sucking He juked someone out, too. I know. it was. That That's the most iconic to me. I thought it was great. Yeah. What about you? That card, the Cardinals game, of course. You can't talk about Brian Urlacher without mentioning that. Twenty-five oh, yeah. tackles. That's just, just ridiculous. Took over the game. That was just incredible. You had that strip, that peanut return for a touchdown. It, it was awesome. I feel like I should have gone first because uh, you, you took my first pick and then you took my second <laughs> pick, and I, I don't know that I have a third. But just, just the way that man existed, that that presence that he had on the field, just. You know, it's insane. He was that guy where you, when you watched him, you just knew you were watching one of the all-time greats. Yes, and right. Bears haven't had that since. No. You know, Hester and him, the same era, kind of. Mm-hmm. You just knew when you were watching him that he was amazing. Right. He was it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of miss it a little bit. But oh, we're getting back things. there. Hopefully, we get one of those there. coming soon. Broke Hopefully, Roquan. Hopefully, maybe. 
Maybe well, not necessarily that deep, but just a Bears player where you watch him and people go, future Hall of Famer, so-and-so. Yeah, but when you think Bears, you think iconic middle linebackers. Right. Well, well, he mentioned it during the speech. We don't have a middle linebacker anymore. It's an inside linebacker for the 3-4 scheme. Ooh. All right. Ooh. There's two of them okay. at a time. All right. Okay. All right. So b- before we move on from that, is that is that a take to throw in the vault from Alex Krein? What's that? Roquan Smith, Hall of Famer? No way. No. 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 Okay. Not a chance. Okay. Uh, give me okay. that went back. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he, I'll, I'll give you that prediction at the end of the season. Okay. Oh, you're gonna give me at the end of the season? That's if I think it'll be way too early. I'm doing. Okay. It. Okay. okay. So you it. heard it here. At the end 8, of the 12 p.m. on August 8th, 2018. Probably not when they're listening. Central so. time. Central time is when Alex Cryan says that by the end of the season, he's going to tell us whether or not Roquan Smith... For sure, without a With clarity. For a fact. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Any any final thoughts? I'm really excited for football, man. I'm pumped. Me too. Bears play tomorrow also. Bengals? Yep. It'll be a fun game. 6 yeah. p.m. See some Mitch? A little bit. A little, little, little Mitch? Probably little like Mitch. nine plays-ish. Yeah. So I'm right. excited to see Mitch in uh, Matt Nagy's super, super vanilla offense. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't see, even know if you can call yeah. it Matt Nagy's offense. Not yet. In Matt in generic I-form shotgun spread. Yeah. Well, because, okay, here's my thing. The next big football that I'm excited for, not not preseason, college. Yeah, like, college football. Yeah, our, uh, our favorite teams have a matchup. We've won. They do. They do, and I have not done enough research on Notre Dame to give you an opinion. Apparently, ESPN thinks they're going to be amazing, but yeah, I, I just I. It's always a good matchup, Michigan and Notre Dame. It's a classic time. It classic. is. I wish we could be there, but you know we're college students, so yeah. we're probably going to do a full show on the Purdue Northwestern game. No. Oh, yeah, which one? <laughs> no. uh, a full preview on the. Maybe if, Quay- six maybe if Clayton Thorson looks like a first-round pick that game, but besides <laughs> that, if he even plays, do a do a live broadcast from in the student section. I'm sure there won't be any issues there with language. No, zero. Just okay. ambient noise in general. Right. Yeah. Just you know, nice chill atmosphere. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe we won't record it that weekend because we might be at each other's throats after that Michigan Notre Dame. Yeah. Usually, opener. usually Luke and I. Kind of get at each other a little bit. Cub Sox. No, yeah, just yeah. we don't agree on anything really. Well, the Bears. 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 Yeah. What about yeah. the Blackhawks? I mean, you don't have any. And the Bulls. Yeah. Sort of sure. the Bulls. Yeah. All right. Okay. But, uh, we agree. This sometimes. time of year. Yeah. No. This time of year, it's college football. Oh yeah. No. It's I. I need. I need a leaf to turn orange. Like while mm. I'm looking at it I, and just kind of fall. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. And I'm, look, I'm no, just tired. Step, step I'm tired one. of the heat. Yeah, I feel you. Step one's pumpkin spice flavored things, Ooh, though. See, that's incoming. I'm not. I'm not a pumpkin spice dude. Ah, well, I am. So. Oh boy. Ah, okay. Where's this podcast? Okay, going? well, we're we're gonna cut it off there. We're done calling it a day. Make sure and, you uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Studio C Sports. If you have any tips or any ads, question mark, or you want to you want to really throw hate us and you want or you just us. hate us and you want to tell us. Um, you can email us at studiocsports at gmail.com. There's no at in front of that. Just just, it's start, just an email. start at Studio C Sports, yeah. And yeah. that's about it. So I have been Matt Hale for Alex Krein and Luke Stranowski. Hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day.